I'm recording on my end. I am recording on my end. Okie dokie, let's get it on. And by that I mean get back together. <laughs> yeah. Are you in? You're in into that plan? No. It's happening? N-double-O. No! <laughs> it's actually new. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it in the falling down a hole way. I feel like two O's is not nearly enough to be like falling down a hole. Okay, fine. N- so, so, okay, fine. We'll get back together. <laughs> <laughs> You've corrected my spelling enough to woo me. That's how you got me the first time. Let's do this. No, that's not how you got me the first time. We have never talked about that on the podcast. I just realized that too. Do you want to, do you want to, let's do an intro and then we'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> I get to intro. Okay. Hi guys. Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Hayward. And my ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. And she's about to regale us with the story of how we met. How I met your ex. That's what we're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> how I met your ex. It'd have to be my ex. It wouldn't make sense otherwise. How I met my ex. Yeah. So... We met initially because there's, uh, I was volunteering at a community radio station and like I sort of fancied a friend of ours who took me for radio training and you and him used to do improvised theatre classes together. You, you can probably name him. There's nothing slanderous in this. No, I was just thinking about, I'm not sure whether I've ever told Harley this. That you fancied him. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's cool. He's super hot. Like, he's babe. He's great. Like, I, I, I love many people and I love working with many people. And Harley is definitely like in the top five people who I just loved working with every time we collaborated on anything. One thing that I find quite amazing about Harley is that this is, again, like my brother. He is someone who just appears to be like totally free with his ability to do things i don't know he just seems like a very prolific creative person he works and works and works and works as well as that he's just supremely talented like he'll sit down and write a script and his first draft will be better than something i could put together in like 15 drafts it's, it's incredible to watch i also just like his mannerism i like his way of being he see anyway we're kind of getting on a very old we're getting on the <laughs> harley train but he's like very like oh yeah okay like, yeah, he's chilled. He's great. He's very chilled. Anyway, so as you can understand, I was like, Harley is a bit of a babe. And I just happened to be there and he was like, hey, I'm running this improv class upstairs. Do you want to come? And I was like, oh, and he was like, there's free biscuits. And I was like, I am down. <laughs> I that was, am That was there. the most effective. That was my first step into marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? The free biscuits thing? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd done improv classes in Canberra where you paid for them. Like, they were not free classes, but halfway through, you got biscuits. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and so I was always like, if I ever run improv classes, there are going to be free biscuits. Okay, alrighty. Well, yeah, there are free biscuits. So I went to this class and you and Harley were teaching it together. And it was really, really fun. I had a really great time. And then... Do you remember it, the, the scene you did? No. You did a sketch, like an improv bit, about shaving the word cunt into your pubic hair. That does not sound like me. (laughs) (laughs) And then after it, you were like, 
wow, you can just say whatever you like. Because I've been thinking about shaving the word cunt into my pubic hair. Oh, yeah, that sounds absolutely like a thing I would say. Because this is 2011 and I was still in art school. And I was like, I'm so cool. Turns out I don't have enough pubic hair to shave cunt into my (laughs) pubic hair. If you can or have done that, I would be interested to see that. (laughs) Would you stop encouraging people to send photos of their genitals? (laughs) Yeah. We got photos of penises after the last one. It doesn't hugely bother me, but I'll be working, 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 getting an email. I'll be like, oh, cool. Oh, wow. It must be fan mail for the podcast. Oh, there's a dick. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not like, ah, dick. I'm just like, I don't need to see that. Like, it's not a necessary part of my day. Yeah, I was curious as to how you felt about that because I was like, hmm, this is definitely like on the boundaries of, like, I feel slightly bad about this. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, if it wasn't Peter, there's no way that I would. um, (laughs) do that to someone. like there's no way that i would put out anyone's email and be like please send dick pictures to this email or you know like any kind of thing that someone might not want to get so even though i am a, a heterosexual guy who likes vaginas i don't want to see a photo of a, like a close-up vagina i just that's that's not what i want to see in my daily inbox i was just more thinking like you know the pubis, the pubis area yeah having said that i really like boobs so if anyone does want to send a photo <laughs> of their boobs uh, preferably female. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop that in there, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm very much a boob guy. And if you want to send that through, that will make up for the dicks that I've had to sit through as part of this podcasting experience. One of them was like, "Here it is, flaccid and direct." <laughs> well, they want to get the whole scope of it, you know. <laughs> it was interesting, you know. but I was also like, "This is not something I need in my life." <laughs> so. You came to the improv class? So I came to the improv class. Apparently I did a scene about pubic hair. And you were like, hey everyone, I'm having a party on the weekend. Because it's my birthday. And I think you said that very pointedly towards me. (laughs) I only announced it to the class so that I could come up and invite you to it later. And be like, hey, remember that party I was talking about earlier? You should definitely come. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the only reason I said it to the class was so that I could then, like, during the break or after the class, go up to you and be like, hey, so you're going to come to my party? That's very cute. I was very cute at the time. So, wait, and what did you think of me when I went to the class? I was like, this girl is cool and she's cute and I want I want her to come to the party so I can hit on her. Okay, yeah, all right, that makes sense. So, fast forward to the party. Well, do you remember why you came to the party? Yeah, I do remember why they came to the party because... <laughs> You had the same, you have, I said had, (laughs) you have the same name as my dad. And I was like, I kind of have to go to this party because it would be like missing my dad's party. And that sounds kind of mean. I think there was some like element of like, it just makes sense. That is not why you came to the party. Oh, really? Oh, no, no, no. There was definitely another reason. Oh, yes. One was, I think that was what I told you. I was like, well, I can't miss the party because it's like I miss my dad's party. But it was also really weird because I didn't know, you know, I was a lot younger then and I didn't know any of you guys at all. And so I went there and I took my family's van. I don't know why, but I had that with me. Party Rago. So that I could sleep in the back of the car if I needed to or whatever. I always like go to parties with like, solid escape plans (laughs) that's a sensible way to play it 
I will quite often go into dates and be like, hey, yeah, let's do it this time because I have a thing on afterwards. So if I'm not enjoying the date, I can be like, oh, I've got to get to that thing. And if I am enjoying the date, I can seem really cool and be like, I'm going to cancel that thing because I'm enjoying this so much. <laughs> like, I know that that's a really common thing to do, but for some reason, how you said it made you sound a little bit like a dick. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> it's, it's good dating strategy. If you're listening, take notes. It's some solid dating strategy. Anyway, but yeah, there was... Uh, I don't even want to talk about this. Ah. <laughs> uh... I'll warn you, if you don't talk about it, I will. So you definitely want to be the one telling the story. So there was a guy who was in the class. We will, Can we just not mention him by name? Yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. Okay. Like, it was the same thing with Harley. I was like, oh, he's pretty cool. Maybe I'll go to the party and he'll be there. <laughs> I lured you to my bed with a series of guys you liked. <laughs> you, yeah, you were like, I'll just put Harley in the way so then she'll come to the class. I'll just put this other guy in the way. Dangling so all my friends as party. <laughs> anyway, he was... I'm pretty sure he wasn't there, which it turns out is a great thing because it turns out that he's not a great person. I did go there. And then when I got there, I was actually like, oh, you know, who's really cool. This other guy, Cam. And <laughs> so I was like, I was like, oh, Harley's a bit of all right. And then I was like, oh, this other guy's a bit of all right. And then I was like, this Cam character is very intriguing. <laughs> he is. He's an intriguing character. And I spent a lot of the party talking to him and you were pretty drunk that's, you were that very drunk possible yep you were so drunk you were when i arrived okay i arrived <laughs> to this party knew no one and i walked in the door i would have been 20 21 22 or something and there was just a whole bunch of naked people in the house and that was what i was greeted by and they're like hey you're here and i was like wow where am i <laughs> and then i walked into the room and you were like Oh my God, the hot girl is here. I think I said the the cute one or the hot one. You said the hot one. Yeah, I didn't say the hot girl. For some reason, I'm uncomfortable with that. Totally, like everything else has been totally accurate. That's where the line is. Yeah, I think there's something about the hot girl versus the hot one. I don't know why, but... The hot one is here. Anyway, you were really drunk and very flirtatious. And I, my reaction (laughs) was mostly, you are really drunk, very flirtatious. I'm about this cam guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were like telling the whole party about how you had a broken penis. And that was just fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. Because you're obsessed with genitals and shame. Well, I'm still obsessed with like honesty and shame. Genitals less so? I think genitals just comes up as because that's where a lot of those things meet. It's the medium through which you can tell the tales of genitals and shame. Of uh, fuck. Of, <laughs> of honesty and shame. Of honesty and shame. Particularly shame. But mostly I was like, who is this guy? And then at the end of the party, I was like, so you know how you've said like several times that you have a broken penis and no one has made any mention of it? <laughs> I'd like to bring that around. There's only like two, three people still awake. I was like, can you just speak more on that topic? And then you just told the whole story about how you you had phimosis. And I mean, 
I don't know how much detail you want to go in there. Not because you're private about it, just because like... We've covered it before, actually. If you go back to (laughs) one of the earlier episodes, you'll find an episode about (laughs) Lyphomosis and SJ will put a link in the show notes. Oh, God. Okay. But then I have to find out which episode... Oh. Oh, God. You have to go through the 16 episodes we've done so far (laughs) and look for the one that mentions genitals in the title. Yeah. It's a hard life. (laughs) Life is hard. Anyway, and then you were like, hey, look, if you want to, you can stay here, like... Obviously, you're not going to have sex, broken penis. And I was like, okay. I'm like fun and spontaneous and impulsive. Woo. Like, like all so these naked young. people in your house? Yeah, like all these naked people in your house. Yeah, so then I stayed at your house. I think that's the end of the story. Like, what's the rest <laughs> of the story? I mean, I remember waking up the next day and you were like, I really like you. And I was like, oh, God, go away. Yep, I remember <laughs> that part. Uh, so that part was interesting because I'd been... Sort of like, not not grappling, but I've been like, I have a broken penis and I don't know how to like tell that story or if I want to tell that story or... And you were like, I know the solution. Drunk, drunk, yell it, <laughs> yell it very loud. I think that was the first, back in the day, back in the day, I used to have a bunch of parties. And that was the first party <laughs> that I'd had after I'd been like, you know what, I'm going to be totally open and honest about this because that was a thing that I was exploring in my life at the time. I'm just going to tell the total truth about this story. And if people are weirded or grossed out by it, they don't have to listen. So I was telling people the story of my broken penis. And that was probably the first party where I was like, I have a broken penis. That is a fact. I was embarrassed about that for a while. I'm less embarrassed about it now. And so you came into my life at a time when I was been like, I am going to try total honesty, which is a move I have not stopped. <laughs> you haven't stopped doing it, but I think you do it in a different way. I do it in a different way. But I like that. Like that's such a, I feel like that's such a like, cute kind of awkward turtle reaction to be like oh i'm embarrassed about this thing i will tell everyone (laughs) yeah yep and then i was like hey do you want to come sleep in my bed like i won't hit on you because i have a broken penis you know what are we gonna do and you're like yeah sure and then we went to bed together and i was genuinely trying to get to sleep and you kept waking me up and after like the fifth time you woke me up just to be like hey let's talk some more i was like oh I think this girl's really into me. So I was like, hey, do you want to make out? And you were like, okay. And yeah, we've been no, together ever like, since. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> except for that bit where, <laughs> you know. We don't talk about the breakup, SJ. We don't talk about it. <laughs> Amy keeps saying this thing. We don't We don't talk about the war. Don't mention the war. It's a very famous faulty, faulty Towers quote. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't even know that. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> it is, it's, a, it's probably the best episode of one of the best sitcoms ever made. So, yeah, no, I just, I was just, you know, like buzzy and excited and I couldn't get to sleep and I'd met all these new people. So I was just like chatty. I wasn't like, let's make out. So at the time I had never had a girlfriend and I had had sex with one person ever two years ago, no, like a year and a half ago and it had not gone particularly well because I had a broken penis without knowing I had a broken penis. Like we both had a good time, but it had not been like, I had a vague idea of what sex was. Uh, I was writing erotica at the time, which is weird when you don't have sex, but write erotica. And so I'd read a lot of erotica and I thought I knew like how sex worked on a basic, where did I come from kind of level. And then my sexual experience had been nothing like that. And so when I learned that I had phimosis, I was like, oh, this explains so much. And so (laughs) when I met you, I had been just chronically single. I like the idea that like, well, I don't like it. I just think it's a funny idea that you'd be like, oh, it makes so much sense. It's the phimosis. And then you had a circumcision and then it was still bad. <laughs> I think it was bad. It just wasn't what I expected sex to be. Yeah, okay. 
I mean, I, mean, I think that happens all the time with everyone in sex. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so just to go into a bit of detail about that. So if if hearing intimate details about the way I have sex is not interesting to you, uh, shut your ears off now. But I, ever since having an close, adult circumcision, close holes. <laughs> ever since I had an adult circumcision, I've had a lot of trouble orgasming and not a lot of trouble. Like I can do it five times out of 10. No, that's half. I can do it like seven <laughs> times out of 10. But... <laughs> I went, I went, you just like forgot that five times out of 10 was half <laughs> as you were saying that. I was trying to work out how many times out of 10. I was like, four's too low. Nine's too high. Five. No, it's not five. <laughs> but I said five while I was, while I was getting to the point of yeah. seven. And so it, it takes me longer than I had been led to believe it would from media, where the joke is always the guy coming way too fast. Like, that is not a problem I will ever encounter. And sometimes I'm like, that must be a nice problem to have. Oh, well, I mean, that's a grass is always greener. The pubic hair is always. <laughs> but more I've, I've spoken hair-y. to women about this, and I've, I've heard women say, like, it's like a compliment that they're so excited that they can't help themselves. And then you can just go for a second round. Oh, uh, yeah. Whereas I don't think I've ever gone for a second round of sex because that is a... It's like being like, oh, yeah, I ran two marathons the other day. I'm like, what? <laughs> How did that even work? It can take me a while and I don't always get there is the is what we're alluding to there. So, yeah, sex has never for me been quite like I expected it to be. Well, yeah, of course, because that's pretty different to the common narrative. Yeah. But then that's all... For me, if, if I was in that situation, that's where I'd be thinking about man this goes into a big thing about like how like what's the point is the orgasm the end is that the ideal you know what i mean right right i'm not commentating on that i'm just saying like sex was not what i expected it to be both before and after my circumcision i remember when i first started having sex it took me like years to realize that what i thought were orgasms were not But didn't you masturbate before you had sex? Actually, that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to, like, yes, I definitely did. So I definitely did masturbate, but maybe somehow I thought that the organs that you, that you had during sex were different. That makes sense. Like that, as a thought process, that makes total sense to me. Particularly because I don't feel like there was any, like, I don't think the clit- the clitoris... <laughs> What is that? I don't think that that was even brought into the equation, into the conceptual space of the sex. Yeah. So I think that was, I think, yeah, I think that didn't happen for a while. So we were lying in bed and we made out for a while. It was great, great times. And then the next morning I was like, hey, let's hang out more because you're great. Because I had not made out with someone before. Like, wait, you hadn't made out with someone before? I had made out before, but since I lost my virginity, I probably hadn't made out with someone and certainly not in a bed with a cute girl. Like it was mostly just dogs and and photos of pigeons. (laughs) Photos. Photos of pigeons is particularly good. Have you not made out with a photo of pigeon? Oh my God. It is the bomb. No, 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 no. And so... I want, to hear, I want to hear your version of our early courtship. Fuck. Because I have really distinct memories and I just don't know what oh, you remember. Oh, really? Okay. So I'm just going to go through the things that I remember because it's spotty. I remember you I remember you being like, I really like you. And me being like, that's terrifying. Um, I don't think that you're that cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then I think I was like, oh, I'm not really into that kind of stuff. And then you're like, do you want to go out? And I was like, I don't really want to be monogamous. But that was probably, I don't know if I've ever told you this before. I think that was probably less because 
I wanted to be in a non-monogamous relationship <laughs> and more because I wasn't sure if I wanted to be in a relationship with just you <laughs> <laughs> or because I think at that stage I had been single for quite a amount of time. The idea of being in a relationship was like, oh, you know, I was like, ooh, I'm not, you know, like I hadn't really conceptualized what an open relationship would properly mean. Yeah. I think I said that so that I could be like, oh, well, when I find another one that's better, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whereas, in fact, saying to a polyamorous guy who had never had a girlfriend before, I don't know if I want to be monogamous. Oh, my God. You could have not, not have been more attractive to me in that moment. <laughs> You're like, I have found her. Yeah. And I was like, I have found a way sort of out of this. Yeah. Which sounds really bad five years later. No, I think I think it's totally fine. Like you you're an attractive girl who is constantly being hit on by guys. Like this one random guy you made out with at a party because he talked loudly about his penis. You're under no commitment to be like, Yes, let's date. You can you can say whatever the fuck you like to that guy. Oh no, no. I just mean like that now when I think about that, that's a really uninformed opinion. But also at the time I wasn't I didn't feel like I was being hit on left, right, and center. I felt like I'd been really quite lonely for quite some time. I'd had some interactions, but yeah. I mean, the most recent thing that had happened is I had sort of, I think I'd been sleeping with someone at the time who ended up telling me that it was like, it was a mistake and that I was too crazy to like do anything with. And I was like, fuck. Is this the guy you were dating while you were dating me in the early days? Uh maybe i can't remember was that a thing that was happening that makes sense yeah yeah that makes sense yeah yeah there was another guy and for various reasons we should not have really gone together but we did and you both worked at a student newspaper together why are you saying this out loud i obviously didn't want to say that i was avoiding his name but you can say you worked at a student newspaper with someone without everyone being like oh i know exactly who that is <laughs> like a lot of people might know exactly who that is anyway it's a long time ago now so i feel like whatever we probably shouldn't have hooked up but i don't think that was like now that i think about it i'm like eh that like is the kind of shit that happens yeah between uni students are you sure you want to say he was in uni but i was like <laughs> shut up what was weird was he didn't actually even need to tell me that he thought that i was too much of an emotional wreck to date you know like he could have just said I, I think probably we shouldn't do this. Yeah. You know, like he had a, he had like a many really reasons. easy out there yeah. and he did not do it. And oh my God, in such classic me at that moment in my lifestyle, I remember, oh, I remember at some point in there going and meeting up with him and being like, you know what? You're actually a really big dick. And that totally was an asshole thing to do. And he was like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. And I was like, okay, I will have sex with you now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Which is such a like, like for me, when I think about that now, I'm like, oh, that feels like a deeply self-loathing thing to have done to yourself. You know, like. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Does that make sense? I'm like, wow, you did not think very highly of yourself in that moment when you were like doing that. But, you know. I feel like that's the kind of thing that you do when you're young and when you're a bit younger and maybe you don't have the confidence. I mean, it's one thing that I've realized from 
going through the sort of like the process of open relationships and kind of slut pride and realizing that sex and love is actually a lot more abundant than I used to think it was when I was younger. Yeah. Now I mostly think about the fact that when I get to, you know, when I get to be 40 or whatever, that's when things are going to change for me because I'm a woman. Yep. Have you seen the Amy Schumer? Yeah, of course you have. You've seen the Amy Schumer sketch. Oh yeah, The Last Fuckable Day. So good. Yeah, it's a good sketch. And that like, yeah, men stay sexy for much longer than women do. And actually really shits me. There's a really beautiful podcast between Maria Bamford and her mother. Because mm-hmm. Maria Bamford's an American comedian who does a lot of imitations, but mostly of her family and particularly <laughs> of her mother. Yeah. And they are so good. Are you sure that it's not just Maria Bamford with herself doing her mother's voice? What do you mean? What did I say? She does a podcast with her mother. Oh, no, no, no. No, her actual mother is on it. Are you it's, sure no, she she's doesn't not just do... really doing a, a good voice? She gets interviewed. It's for a different podcast. <laughs> Shut up. So she gets interviewed for this podcast and so does her mother, who she imitates a lot. And her mom just talks about one thing that she really appreciates about what her daughter does, Maria, is that it makes her feel visible. She was saying that because she's a woman who's, you know, probably like, I don't know, like maybe 70 now. Women of that age aren't really in the media recognized very much in the media they're not really thought of very much when we have conversations and political discussions they're kind of like ghosts (laughs) if you look at the tv and if you look at newspapers women of that age are largely ghosts they're not represented anywhere and she said that her daughter doing all these impressions of her made her feel like she wasn't forgotten and i was just like oh my god that is heartbreaking and i was like that's gonna happen to me no Whatever, that's gonna, like, wait on, wait on, what makes you think that that will not happen to me? Do you mean you specifically, or like you and your generation of women? Uh, well, then both. I mean, the generation of women I can't argue against, uh, other than saying I think feminism is making strides, and maybe by the time that, what's that, like 50 years from now when you're in your 70s? I can't guarantee it, obviously, but I think that the world is getting better, especially in terms of female representation in media. And I think in 50 years, there is a decent chance that women of, if I say women of your age, women of your age, <laughs> that age at that point will be represented in the media. I think that is entirely possible. I'm not saying it'll definitely happen. I can't promise that, guys. Don't like call back in 50 years and be like, Peter, you kind of owe me this one. Actually, you know what? If you are willing to call back in 50 years, fucking <laughs> do it. <laughs> okay, cool. Just don't send an email with your genitals. That's all I ask. Uh, as if but email the, will the still be used. The pubic mound then. is fine. <laughs> um, and you specifically, like you, as long as I've known you, have kind of put yourself out there. And this idea that it's going to stop when you turn 70, I'm like, no, that's obviously not going to happen. Yeah. Like, what, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to turn 70 and be like, well, I want to knit and do nothing else now. Well, I mean, sometimes I feel like that now. I guess, yeah, sure. If if you drastically change personality and go like, I don't want to ever put myself out there. I want to be a home knitter, which is the alternative. Um, <laughs> the only alternative. Then sure, you're absolutely right. That could be entirely possible. I just, from what I know of you, I don't really see that happening. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. It's been great because I've seen, recently I've seen a lot of really powerful women. Um, Get into fights. Who are older. And last week I was at this peer work conference, which... I think I explained last time, but 
anyway it's it's like people who work in the mental health industry who have lived experience and where they're coming from a lot of it's much older people like I was definitely one of the youngest people there and there was only a few of us and they are powerful those people they're just a powerful force and I just really appreciate it you know when you kind of like step into a social justice movement and you get to realize the decades of work that's already been put in yeah and like the elders in that community you're like wow shit (laughs) you've been working on this for longer than i've been alive yeah (laughs) exactly have you watched brooklyn 99 no i don't know what that is brooklyn 99 it's my favorite tv show it's so good Dude, I, like, don't watch TV. Yeah, I haven't watched TV. I don't have a TV. If you get a chance, check out Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and then I will be able to reference a specific episode. No, uh, one of the main characters, probably the best character in the show, is the captain. He's a gay black cop in his, like, 50s or, or, or older, and he's just totally deadpan the entire show, and he's perfectly done. He's amazing. And one episode is about the fact that he started the gay African-American police alliance in, like, the 80s. <laughs> he was like the only member for a long time and now in like 2015 someone's running against him and he's like i will crush him i will destroy him i created this whole thing and i will make sure to be victorious and at the end of the episode he learns the lesson of like you know what it is time for someone to take over because i am out of date like at one point in the episode he's like this guy can't run the thing doesn't he understand like i have fought oppression every day of my life every day of my life as a cop i have fought a progression for being both gay and black in another episode he has a quote it's like uh, my partner back then was racist was homophobic but not racist which back then was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> and his assistant replies to him like maybe that's a good thing that he hasn't fought oppression every day of his life like maybe that's a useful perspective there's a certain bravery and passion that comes from naivety yeah and there's one thing story of my life (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) i particularly like that um okay so oh my god why do you like that so much i'm intrigued Okay, cool. That's why I said it. I was like, oh man, that really applies to me. But I didn't expect... Uh... <laughs> like you have achieved so much. <laughs> sheer foolishness. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like <laughs> you achieve a lot on unbridled confidence. Check out episode 14 for more tales of Peter's ridiculous confidence making full-time actors like turn down paying jobs to film sitcoms when oh god it was <laughs> anyway uh i was talking to a friend the other day about how i was feeling too awkward to ask to be paid for something that i was supposed to be paid for and he was like yeah see i think this this is a gendered thing because there was absolutely no way that i would even consider not pushing that point and i was like oh yeah i'm like oh yeah but I mean, I don't think it's a completely gendered thing because I recognize in some of my friends, they are powerhouses and they'd be like, um, no. But I think it's also a gendered thing. It's also to do with like, if you've been placed in a position of... Trust? <sighs> no, I was going to say like disadvantage. If you spend... Oh, fuck. This is such a giant conversation. Anyway, I've been thinking about it a lot lately around how... I think we talked about this a little bit, but how 
the mental health system kind of makes you sick. Yeah, yeah, we, we did an episode on that. Yeah, and so I've just been thinking about like... Which SJ will link to in the show notes. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Um, <laughs> you know, how being in those roles of where you're disempowered over time makes you kind of walk around like you're an apology. Yeah, yeah. So I really recognize that, particularly in the difference between myself and my sister. You're twins and you've had such different experiences. Yeah, and we were talking the other day and... It was kind of a really point, I felt like it was a big point of understanding between our different points of view because I was just like, basically, I feel guilty all the time and like, I'm constantly doing something wrong. She was like, no, you don't, you don't need to like over apologize for that. You just, for her, she's like, okay, I have done something wrong. I'm sorry for that thing. This is how I'm going to solve it. Okay, let's move on. I will make sure not to do it again. She's like very matter of fact. And I'm like that in some ways, but I'm also, a a lot of the time I just deeply feel like I do not deserve whatever it is, or I should be like eternally grateful for whatever the thing is that is happening. It also snowballs big time. Because I used to have that same awkwardness about asking for money. And then I asked for money and people were never like, oh, I can't believe you did that. They're always like, oh yeah, of course, done. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, totally. Once that's happened to you once, it feels so good that you're like, okay, next time I need money, I'm going to ask for money. And if they don't react that coolly, that is on them and not me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. And and that's why for me, one thing that I'm always trying to do is like challenge the fears that I have about myself and my life. <laughs> yeah. I remember I did this ex- experiment with myself where I was like, I don't feel like I could ever have a full-time job. Like, I don't feel like I can fit into the way you're supposed to function as an adult. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to try having a full-time job for a month and see how that goes. <laughs> I was like, make it really small. Yeah. Can you do that? Like the Paul Jarvis thing of make everything an experiment. Yeah. So then it's not like I can't have a full-time job. It's like, I don't think that that's the best option for me. Yeah. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but that's a bit more how I feel about it. Anyway, what I was going to talk about before was, did you read that article that I sent to you about feminism? Yeah, I thought you would never want to talk about that on a podcast. Really? Yeah, because it's, it's, I thought it was fascinating. I really enjoyed it. I liked a lot of the points that it made, but its ultimate point is like, feminism is kind of fucked. Wait, on, what's... Okay. Yeah, no, I think I think it's really interesting and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fascinating. It really put into words a lot of things that I had already been thinking. Yeah. Like particularly since I saw a, a while ago now I saw this documentary it's called She's Beautiful When She's Angry. It's about the feminist movement in the late 60s, early 70s in America. Is that first or second wave? That'd be second wave, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's second wave. The first wave was suffragettes. Oh, I thought first wave came after suffragettes. Oh shit. I could, I could be totally wrong about that. Do you want it? Should we correct it now or should we correct it later? In the show notes. <laughs> Just palming everything after me. Also, um, that Paul Jarvis article about uh, experimentation also going to be in the show notes. And this feminism article we're talking about in the show notes this is going to be a good show notes. It's a really like hard hitting, quite a dense article. It's from Mean It's Jin. really good. The writer, I think, is Eleanor Robertson, if I got it right. Anyway, after watching that documentary that I was talking about, one of the things that really struck me from that was that one of their main points that they were talking about was that they wanted government-funded daycare. They were like, one of the biggest things holding women back financially, economically, politically, 
is the fact that they're expected to rear children. They have to interrupt their careers to look after the children. It's not fair for women to sacrifice having a family in order to have the same power as men. So this is a key way that we can change that. We want daycare. And that's a thing that has happened in a bunch of countries around the world. France, I know, has it, yeah. Yeah, and, and I just haven't even heard, up until that point that I saw that documentary, I realised I've never heard anyone have that conversation. I was like, wow, I consider myself a feminist. I consume a lot of feminist media. And I have not read one single article about <laughs> how we should have government-funded daycare. And that seems like a pretty strong case for it. There's still a very significant wage gap of which I read an article the other day saying a third of the wage gap is completely unknown why it's there other than what they think is like gendered discrimination within the workplace. institutionalized sexism. Stuff like they've done studies where they show that when women go into certain occupations, that average salary goes down as a whole. Yeah. Which is totally fucked. I mean, I already knew that because that's exactly what happened to things like teaching because previously it was like, women can't be teachers and then once women could be teachers it was like well we have to pay them less yeah. but <laughs> yeah it's, it's a it's a cause and effect thing it's not that women choose lower paying jobs which is the counter argument you hear a lot it's that when women do the job it's now a lower paying job i mean it's both ways i think it's going to be both things oh yeah yeah sorry it's, it's a combination of effects the other thing is also that jobs that have what you would consider to be feminine qualities are also lower paid which is interesting because if you think about it it's totally fucked that women are socialized to have these qualities they're kind of thought of as being outsider or weird if they don't and then when they try and choose an occupation which aligns with their values and beliefs that have been instilled within them they are they are disadvantaged because of it and we're like well that's that's not a real job yeah it's just so fucked like the particularly feminine occupations are, are lower paid. So, in summary... The art, yeah, sorry. That's what you remember about courtship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I remember about courtship. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am going to briefly tell the story from what I remember. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We didn't talk at all about the fantastic article, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, talk about the article, go. Okay, so there's this article from Minjin. I'll put it in the show notes. It's, holy shit, I was like fuck reading this and it's about basically i suppose contemporary feminism it's talking man i feel like i'm not going to do this justice because when i was reading the article i there was a couple of bits where i was like i need to reread that for the seventh time because it's some bits are quite dense and i don't pretend to be a person who understands everything all the time but they were basically talking about how actually you're probably going to explain it better i feel like you will okay i don't want to misrepresent the article uh, and I only read it once. I didn't read it seven times, like some people. <laughs> I only read certain sentences seven times. <laughs> but the overall crux of the article, from my, from what I got out of it anyway, was this idea that feminism has, and this this is something that you hear a lot, feminism more and more has become for wealthy white women. Yeah. That's something you hear broadly. But specifically in this article, it's like, Feminism is about how to get raises at your white-collar jobs. Yeah. And the author tells this anecdote about she was in a, in a, a feminist group, uh, like in a circle, they were talking about stuff, and people were like, here's one way that women can get promotions in the workplace. And someone was like, here, this as well. And she was like, hey, this is all great. Uh, can we just talk a little bit about maybe 
systemic change, like um, how, to, how to get governments to, to start. I can't remember the exact thing that she was suggesting, but it was something that was not just... She talked about daycare. Oh, was that the example? Yeah. Right. So, so she brought up daycare and was like, this would be really good for all women, not just women in white collar jobs. And everyone was sort of like, okay... Sure thing, crazy person. Now, look, if you want to get a promotion at work, here's how you go about it. Yeah, and a lot of, like... Uh... And she talked about these two movements that have... Uh, one of them is actually my pet cause. So I was reading that and being like, oh, God, I really hope I'm being useful. That's why I thought of you because when I was reading it, because one of them is about, like, representation in media and how that's been a really big thing that people have latched onto as a feminist cause. And I do believe that representation in media is so important. If you look at speaking roles in movies, 70% of speaking roles are men. If you look at lead roles in movies, 90% of lead roles in movies are men. That's insane. I... No, no, I'm, I'm not defending against you. I'm just saying this is so I still very much believe it's important. But one of the main points of this article was that feminism has turned into two things. It has turned into how to get promotions at work and it's turned into representation in media. And those are two things that really benefit a certain portion of the female population way more than the population as, as a whole. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that disproportionately benefits white women and wealthy women. And, and these are complaints I've heard generally, but this article did such a good job of breaking it down and being like, feminism has been turned into this kind of commercial commodity where you can buy men's tears glasses or whatever you can buy men's tears mugs for sale and it's about tearing people down but it's never about constructing useful systems to benefit all women yeah is that a fair representation of what the article said i think that's a pretty fair representation of what the article said it was fascinating it was one thing that i've been thinking about a lot and that the article made me think about more is i actually understand I feel like I understand why that's kind of the landscape of what we're talking about because systemic change is fucked up hard. Oh, God, yeah. And it makes you feel like really powerless if you're someone who's trying to achieve it. I know this because I was at a conference last week, as I said, with a peer worker conference, and people came up to me and like, it's so glad to see some like passionate young people in here. Just don't let it break you. And I was like, oh, God. And like several people said this to me. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get broken. And in thinking about like the movie that I mentioned earlier, She's Beautiful When She's Angry, that's kind of the sentiment that a lot of the people who were in the movement at the time said. They were like, look, I'm glad that it happened, but it was also very difficult. <laughs> like, yeah. It wasn't like, yay, woohoo, we're getting somewhere. Whereas promotions in the workforce and representation in media are stuff with super tangible results. Yeah. And that's what I've been thinking about in terms of rallying points and social justice issues and social media. People need stuff that they can get around, issues that they can be like, here is the representation that we're going to latch onto and put our issue around it. So I'm not defending this against you. I'm not trying to sound offensive, but the reason that I want to focus on the female representation thing is because that is where I by far stand the best chance of making a difference. Like, I want to work in media either way. Even if I wasn't a feminist, I would still want to make TV and, and games and podcasts and sitcoms and stuff like that. The best chance I have of making a difference in the world is in the medium in which I'm going to be working anyway. Well, it's that thing of like, make the place you are feminist. Yeah, take, it's, this, it's... take this space that you already have. If you're a guy who wants to make a difference in the world of women's rights and women's issues and stuff like that, 
don't go into feminist spaces and try to run that make the spaces that you're already in more feminist it's a really great bit of advice for guys who are feminists because i did the same thing that i think most impassioned feminist guys do and they're like oh i want to be a feminist okay let's go and go to all these feminist spaces and chat about feminism and, and i'm really good at organizing things like that's the thing that i do i organize shit so i was like i'm going to organize feminist things and a bunch of people quite rightly were like peter we don't need you here like we don't need a man to come in here and organize stuff for us because poor helpless women can't do it and that wasn't that was never my intent and so at the time i was a bit like that's not what i'm trying to do but looking back i'm like i can totally understand that reaction and my time is better spent served not trying to organize feminist spaces but instead trying to as you said make the spaces that i'm in more feminist so what i want from you sj oh shit is a very brief summary of how we went from first met to dating (laughs) I actually don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of chloroform involved, and so it might be a bit hazy for <laughs> no, you. No, that's a gross joke. I actually just can't remember. So I'm going to briefly tell the story, which is that when I met you, I had not really done the sex thing. <laughs> and so we made out at a party, and I was like, let's hang out more. And you were like, okay, dude, sure. We went on a date at grilled in in Did uh, we? i don't remember and i remember going to that date and being like i am gonna think of cool things to talk about because i really like this girl and i'll make sure the conversation is <laughs> interesting and at the time i just discovered reddit which you, if you're listening to this in the year 2016 or onwards you're like oh great peter way to impress a girl be like hey so i hang out with a bunch of guys online but what i discovered was like reddit was fairly new back then oh, it's yeah. not new new but it was much newer than it is now and Reddit's a fascinating kind of complex system about how to organize communities and things like that. And so I had that in my back pocket. And at one point the conversation waned. So I was like, so let me tell you about Reddit. And you're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. What is it? And we had this conversation and I was very passionate about communities and stuff like that. And you were intrigued by the passion. We ended up hooking up a few times and that's when you got super intrigued because it was basically like having sex with a virgin. I didn't know how anything worked. I had no fucking idea. Okay. I remember that bit. I remember that bit and being like, this is cool. I think because the previous person that I had had sex with, we would have sex and then he would like, he would orgasm quite quickly. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like I just should put There's nothing actually, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people wish they could do that. <laughs> Some people wish they could do that. Then he would um, apologize and roll over and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> So it'd be like, sorry. (laughs) Yes. Like actually that. So this is what I mean before when I was talking about how I was having sex with someone who was a dick to me. And then I was like, you're a dick to me. Okay. You know, let's have sex. And I was like, why did I do that? Because that is exactly what the sex was. And so having someone who was like, hey, look, I don't understand how it goes, but I'm going to be honest about it. Let's work through this together. I was like, this is great. Communication. And I learned so much about sex. I learned so much about sex and women. And I'd been writing erotica for a while by that point. At that point, I was actually writing it semi-professionally. I wasn't a full-time job, obviously, but I started getting paid for it. And I had a bit of a name in the community. And so to actually have sex with someone who was fun and sexy and would teach me stuff that was interesting and useful. So we did that for a while. And at one point, oh, you were I like, remember that I was like, okay, I'll do that, but I'm not going to your house. <laughs> yeah, I used to come around a lot. I used to. I remember being like, like you live far away. I'm not yeah. motivated to go there. <laughs> I 
I was very one-sided. Fair enough. Uh, and I was super into you, so it totally worked. At some point, uh, we had a conversation that we've talked about on a previous podcast where, where you were like, look, I'm kind of seeing two people at the moment. And I was like, oh, yeah, but you'll end up with me. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you, okay. and I was like, you'll end up with me. And you're like, what? What, what makes you say that? I'm like, oh, I'm just really great. Like, <laughs> I am just flat out fantastic. I and you're like, who says that? A few days later, you were talking to your brother about me. And you're like, and he's he's just really great. Because you were talking about like various projects that I do and ambitions that I had. And you're like, yeah, he's right. The fuckhead is, is actually really great. I don't remember that being so close together. But I had completely forgotten that conversation where I was like, yeah, so I'm sort of like, yeah. And you're like, yeah, but uh, you, you were like, <laughs> actually, what happened was, first of all, you didn't need to know any information about the other person to be completely <laughs> confident that you were going to win win the battle there. Secondly, when I told you information about this other person and how awful that situation was, you were offended. <laughs> you were offended that there was even a question that it might not be you who would like be the chosen one. In all fairness, I then was the chosen one. And so that is in Jibs and Jabs, the story of how SJ and I got together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and thank you very much for listening. We, as you may have noticed, have moved to a sort of longer format. We used to constrain ourselves to half an hour. We got some feedback saying, hey, try a longer format. Let us know how you're finding that. Uh, did you prefer the shorter format? Did you like the longer format? Send us an email on being honest at... Fuck, what did I say? <laughs> being honest with my ex at gmail.com. Or you can just send us a tweet or like just tell me on Facebook or whatever. There's a bunch of ways you can get in contact with us. This week's outro is from Alex Fisher. He is a rad guy who is friends with my baby brother. Oh, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pimp that as well. My brother and I do a podcast now because uh, I love doing podcasts with long distance loved ones so much. This is just ridiculous. That... Yeah. What? What's ridiculous? I mean, like, do you, do you, do you want to become that guy? I think if people are listening to this, they might be interested in the fact that I do a different podcast. I think that's a valid thing for people to be interested in. No, 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 no. I don't mean that there's a problem with promoting it. I just mean it's like, how many podcasts are you going to do? Says me, because (laughs) I'm like, I'm about to start another podcast, everyone. You can listen to my other podcast. It's called Let's Write a Movie. My brother and I try to write a movie, a Hollywood screenplay. Uh, It's at letswriteafilm.com. That's our URL, letswriteafilm.com. Was Let's Write a Movie taken? No, we just didn't want it. We were like, we could have that URL, but we've got a better one because it's not quite the title of the podcast. (laughs) Uh, And my brother and and I do that and it's fun. You can also find, I'm not going to link to anything else. I'm doing a Kickstarter at the moment. Go to scuttlegame.com. It's really exciting. It's going super well. So this this week's outro is from Alex Fisher, who is a friend of my little brother. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review and tell your friends. Peter is my favourite son. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's so great. Thank you so much, Alex. And we'll be back next week with more adventures. And really considered the immense possibilities of music as an addition to the outro. (laughs) Uh, Anything else you want to say in closing? Um, seriously, read this Minjin article. That's it. Oh, it's really good. It's really interesting and really good. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.